What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Women in Business with Sean Murphy on Channel Radio. Welcome to the Women in Business Radio Show. My guest in the studio today is Clara Kastner, who is a ceramicist. So, hello, Clara. Welcome to the studio. Hello. <laughs> um, and we're going to be talking about all sorts of things today. Um, Clara is, I, I'm so grateful to her because she's very openly agreed to talk about her journey with depression. We're not going to dwell too much on that, but the impact on her business, uh, more importantly, the tactics that she used, that she employed to basically, I won't say overcome it, but keep going and continue running that business and growing that business. And uh, the most recent culmination of that is an initiative that you've been running for how many? Since I graduated in 2013. Which is events that you are now running. um, Well, you tell us a little bit about those events, because what we're going to do in part three of the show, we're actually going to drill down on those and talk about them a little bit more and some of your experiences with running those events and some tips for people out there listening who might want to do something similar themselves. So tell us a little bit about those events. So my best friend and I wanted to take a stand at one of the biggest shows in London Design Festival. And... um, Obviously, it's it's uh, quite expensive, for want of a better word, event. So we have set up this organisation called 573 Degrees, and we invite other ceramicists to come and show with us, which then means they get the exposure, but we also get exposure. And But it also makes these events accessible. So that instead of having to pay thousands for a stand, you pay a fifth of that. So you get access to a much bigger crowd than you might necessarily have done. And, for example, when we do tent, it's part retail, part wholesale, so it opens up a whole new market for some of our ceramics friends. So what we're going to do is, as I say, in part three, we're going to talk to Clara a, a lot more about that, about her experiences setting up the event, why she did it, the successes, the, the failures, because stuff can't go 100% okay all the time, um, and her, her experiences and what she's learnt, and perhaps, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a load of tips in there that you can pick up people can pick up and take away to do their own so let's have a chat with Clara now and and what I'd like to find out is a little bit about your story your background and how you got to where you are but what I'd like to start with because not everybody that's listening in today is going to be an artist um, and understand what a ceramicist is now it's sort of in some respects it sounds quite obvious um, but you uh, you work in a particular sort of... Uh, I'm not an artist. Those of you out there might have noticed I don't actually know what I'm talking about. But basically, it's work. It, you, you work with clay 
I work with a particular type of clay. I work with liquid clay. So um, if you look at a potter on a wheel, he's got a very solid form of clay and he throws or she throws. But what I do is I work with liquid clay and I work with plaster moulds. So I slip cast, it's called, um, which gives a very refined piece. A lot of your mugs, for example, will be slip cast. So and your bowls at home are slip cast. So it's just a different type of process. There, there are examples of them on your Facebook page, aren't there? On my Facebook page, yes, which is Clara Casima Design. So these are, when I looked at them, I thought these are what I would describe as elegant, whereas for me, a potter, and we did have a little bit of a joke <laughs> about this, I'm sure I'm just about to offend every potter going, but it's bearded sandals, big clunky hands, big lumps of clay, spinning round on a thing, um, creating a, a quite a chunky brown bowl. That can be the perception <laughs> of the title potter, yes. So so <laughs> that's not what you're doing. No. This isn't chunky stuff that you're creating. It's it's um it's a sort of refined and elegant um that's a that's how I would describe it. Would you agree? Um my grand plan is I'm got a five year plan and I'm trying to make a vase for every type of flower. But it's also combining my love of texture and also my love of colour. Um, and my palette's mainly green, so that it complements the flowers that will go in the vase. I carve each one by hand so that there's texture, so that you're not just stuck with a boring stem. They, it's, it makes it look elegant. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of a quite a subtle piece. It, it works in multiples, or you can just have one very small vase, one of my vases on a shelf with a single flower in. I'm going to go diverting over now and talk ab about this theme that you've got. Um, and I've, I've totally lost the plot and taking us away from what we normally do in the first 15 minutes, which is look at, uh, which is recommend a book and look at a social media tip. Um, so we'll, we'll come back to that later. But um, you've, you, so you have this five-year plan and you have a theme. Yes. When, when did you come up with that? Was that straight on? We're, we're talking now really about your business as an artist. No. Aren't we? So, so was this something that y that arrived simply because it was something you were interested in, or did you sit down and say, actually, do you know, as an artist running my business, I really do have to have some sort of focus as to what I'm producing and when? I didn't make very nice stuff to start with. I couldn't engage with it when I left university because leaving university, you're left with no brief. It's kind of like get on with it. So just to just to take a step back, because I've I've taken you right <laughs> off of your story, <laughs> haven't I? Uh, to take a step back, you went you went to university. Yes. And you did a degree in ceramic design. Okay. So then you left university. Yes. Created a lot of stuff you didn't like. Yes, it's in landfill now. <laughs> in case I'm ever famous, so it doesn't appear in any okay. shows anywhere. <laughs> I just started with my beautiful vases. <laughs> okay. So you've ditched your mm -hmm. tryouts. No, yes. <laughs> There are no brown pots. <laughs> okay, so at that at that at that point, you you didn't have this plan, no. this thing. So so was it quite a conscious thing? You know, sort of was, was it? You know, I've left uni. I'm 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 out there. I want to be a ceramicist as a business, as a profession. Yes. I'm creating this stuff. I actually don't like it. Did you try and sell it? I did. So you, and did people buy it? No. no. So you were creating stuff that not only was it not selling, but you didn't like it no. either. How oh. can you sell something you, you're not proud of? Uh, well, you can't, can you? No. <laughs> okay. So was it a conscious thing then? You sat down and go, okay, this isn't working, but it is what I want to do. So how can I improve? Yes. I sat down and I said to my partner, I've done this degree. I want to do something with it. 
and I sort of d I did a mind map of all the things that I love, the things that interest me, and I started making vases because I like using unusual glazes. And you have the food safety issue that if you can't put certain glazes in certain bowls because otherwise they're toxic. So to get around that, a form like a vase means unless someone's going to do something silly, they're not going to come into contact. They're not if they lick it, I can't <laughs> really <laughs> control that, can I? <laughs> so um, it meant I it opened up a whole colour palette, which was what really interested me. Um, and I had a little bit of business advice um, via the Design Trust. I had a call with the design doctor and said, this is my plan. It was almost like I was asking for permission. I kind of knew it was a good idea, but I just wanted to talk you to You wanted a little else. bit of affirmation. Yes. So the Design Trust, are they a charity? Are they a business? They, the Design Trust is this brilliant website run by uh, a lovely lady called Patricia Vandenacker. Um, she's on Twitter. Sh the website is so full of um, free stuff, webinars to watch, um, blog posts. She has a list of upcoming events to apply for, not just for ceramicists, for all artists. Okay, um, which is a fabulous resource. We need to we need to retweet that, get that out there, and perhaps connect with her and share that resource because obviously it's something that helped you. Does, does it operate um, internationally or nationally? She, uh, there are people on the webinars who are from all over the world. So perfect. Yeah, it's amazing. Perfect. She's, she's Great. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely, um, fantastic endorsement there. Um, I'm going to go and connect with her on Twitter and we'll, we'll get her stuff out there um, because it's clearly helped you. Yes, very much so. So on, on the Design Trust, there was a design doctor. Yes, I'm a, you can do it so that you don't have to pay anything, free membership, so much stuff that's free. But there's also a facility where you access a little bit more if you pay a little bit more, per, if you pay an amount per month, which I've done for the longest time. I used to have a witch subscription and how many washing machines am I going to buy? I thought it would be more useful to take out yeah. that subscription. And um, so she does this thing once a month where you can book some time with her for a Skype call. Um, and if you fall really lucky and no one else is booked for the Skype call, you get the design doctor for an hour to yourself. And I fell really lucky and, and I talked through my plans and she gave me some directions to look at, some places to look at for where I could take the vase business mm. um, and gave me the, the affirmation that I was looking for, the confirmation that actually it was, wasn't was a terrible idea. <laughs> okay, so, so this is really quite a structured approach that you've got here. Yes, um, we didn't get taught that at uni. It's stuff I've basically learned from social media, actually. Social media has been my biggest tool to learn about business, to learn about things like the Design Trust and webinars and and, um, and just there's an awful lot of free stuff out there that can help you learn. Okay, because normally at this point we would we'd look to do a social media tip, but I think that that is probably one of the best social media tips that there are. So this isn't necessarily about how to market yourself on social media, how to sell your stuff on social media, but how actually to use social media as a tool to bring you the information and resources that you need it's a research tool yes absolutely i've i've picked up on so many someone will tweet that they're about to do a webinar in an hour or so and you can just link on and it might be in the us it might be in the uk but it might be relevant to something for example um, setting up your photographs for pinterest boost the saturation little tips like that that you you don't know when you're a maker because you're i might know loads of stuff about clay 
but I don't necessarily mm. know about getting my stuff out there. And it, it's that age-old problem that we have with anything within our business, but I, I think social media is particularly tricky because it's social. It's not like running your accounts where you can just say to an accountant, could you organise all of this for me, please? And you can, I mean, as we do, we just take everything down them in a bag and we just give it to them. And we, after that, we don't need any more involvement apart from to have a meeting once a quarter and, and discuss business direction and profit and loss. Um, but that's it. It, it. I won't say it's impersonal, but it sort of is. Um, whereas on social media, you have to be involved, don't you? You, you can't abstract yourself from it totally. Um, and I, I think what you're talking about here um, sort of bridges, bridges that gap. You're getting little bits of information that you can use to support your campaigns without actually having to go in and employ a manager. That's yeah. That's that's actually exactly what we do, and it it means you can enter into conversations be without pushing a product, mm. which is is important because I think that the mantra is, isn't it, that people don't buy from someone they don't know, like, and trust. So you build that relationship, whether it be on Instagram or whether it be on Twitter, because you can say, oh, I network with so and so. This was a great webinar. If they run it again, I've learned this from it. And you also get the support of your fellow makers as well, which is invaluable. Which, and, and so often, I think in, in business, um, I come across quite a few businesses who are absolutely terrified of, of who they see as the competition. Um, and so basically people that are doing very similar things to them. What you're saying here is perhaps one of your biggest tips for people out there and artists is to connect with other artists that are doing similar stuff to you. Absolutely. Ultimately, people have been carving clay since before Christ. It's not something that I've, I've set up myself, if you see what I mean. And, and, and the whole thing about clay is, is actually, I know other artistic practices may be slightly different, but especially clay, we're incredibly inclusive. Most people will share, we share glazed recipes. If, you, if you're stuck with something, you can put something on social media and go, what have I done wrong? And you'll get help. So it's been brilliant for that too. Okay, it'll be interesting to hear if it's um, if it's similar to that in other artistic um, niches, I suppose, yeah. isn't it? Because that's really quite a specific thing that you're doing there. Yes. So as a ceramicist, if there is anybody out there who is a ceramicist at the moment um, listening in, there's a, there's a community basically, isn't there, on social media that you can tap into to get ideas to produce your, your art and market your art. Absolutely. Um, what, have, what have you found has been the best platform for you as far as your art, is, as far as your ceramic, being a ceramicist and, should we say, marketing or selling that has been? Instagram. Okay. Visual. Yeah. Because it's such a, vis a visual art anyway. Have you used Pinterest? I do use Pinterest, but I fear Pinterest users are possibly the same as me and get very distracted by the next pretty picture. By, by the kittens. Yes. And okay, okay, so what you're saying there is that you think, um, you think there is a, a difference in that the people using Instagram are more focused and are tending not to go disappearing off down the rabbit hole. I think there's less opportunity when you're just scrolling down one list rather than when you look at the Pinterest um, screen and there's like 25 pictures perhaps on your one screen. Um, I think there's more to distract you than just the one image on your screen that you scroll through when with Instagram. But then possibly I, mean, I haven't done enough work on Pinterest. There are so many platforms that you have to keep 
There's so many balls to keep in the air. When when we come back, we're going to talk, uh, make sure that people can connect with you on Instagram to see sort of what you're doing and how it's working for you. But I think we're over to listen to a record now. Women in Business with Sean Murphy on Channel Radio. Welcome back into the studio. I'm here with Clara Kastner and we're talking about her life as an artist, a ceramicist. And one of the things that I think has, has been key and one of the, the uh, certainly one of the things that we've had so much activity and interest about is the fact that Clara is prepared to talk about running her business when she's actually being treated and tackling depression. So, Clara, can you give us a, just a little bit of, of history about your your journey with depression? Um, I've been depressed for probably most of my adult life in varying forms. You have good years, you have bad years, you have good days, you have bad days. Um, I went through a particularly difficult period when I started university. I had six years on antidepressants. I'm currently med-free by choice um, because I started to react quite badly to my antidepressants. Um, I have the support of a counsellor, which is provided by my part-time job, which makes a wealth of a difference, I will say. But yeah, um, I'm working. There are days when I don't want to be doing it, but I do it because if I don't do it, who else is going to? So let's talk, let's talk about um, what, are, what are the effects of depression? What are the, some of the symptoms that you deal with in relation to your business? There's that awful moment when someone comes to talk to you and you've got to talk about your work. Um, and part of you wants to run screaming from the building and go, oh, it's fine, leave it. So is, would this be, say, when you're at a, um, a, show. At a show? Do you take you, do you, do you get approached for commissions? I haven't got to that stage yet. Right, okay. So you'll be at a show um, where you're exhibiting, where your work is for, for sale. Yes. And then somebody comes to talk to you and you actually just don't, really just don't want to talk to them. It's that terrible moment, that anxiety where you think, I, I don't know what to say. I, I don't know how to talk about it. And you take a deep breath and you say, no one else is going to do it for you. You've made it. Don't leave it sitting on the table. Go and engage with people. They wouldn't have stopped if they didn't like it. I, I'm, I'm going to take a leap here, okay, because I think that de depressed or not, whether you have been diagnosed with depression whether you actually have depression or not, I think that a lot of creative people, a lot of business people, um, but especially creative people, have issues like this when they're putting their stuff out there. Absolutely. And I've known a lot of creatives do actually suffer with depressive cycles. It may not have been labelled clinical depression, but there is something about the artist that is a more sensitive soul, I think. So when you, uh, presumably the issues with um, exhibiting actually start when you're booking the place, aren't you? It's even before that, it's making it. It's, it's, that, it's the getting out of bed to make the So product. what do you do? How do you, how, how do you deal with this? How, what is it that you do that gets you out of the bed to create your stuff where perhaps others may stay there? I have changed the language of how I deal with myself. I would initially be very hard on myself, um, especially if I was having a down day and a, what I would have called the duvet day and we'd stay in bed and I'd either stay in bed and just get up to go to work or I'd get up half an hour before my partner came home 
Um, what, so he didn't know? Yeah. It, we're now telling him? No, he knows now. <laughs> I did fess up a while ago. <laughs> what, you, what would you do? Get up and like cover yourself in flour and dusters and things? Is that oh, no, no, no. He doesn't have that expectation. hard at it all day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm hard watching film four. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't stopped. <laughs> it's been exhausting. And you know how traumatic the towering inferno is. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um... And what I do now is I change the language. So I may wake up and I may feel low, but I will give myself an hour and I will say, okay, you don't feel like I can't feel, I can't make right now, but I will. And I'm not going to write the day off because I don't feel like it right now. Oh, okay. And I, I just try to be kinder to myself instead of quite, I, I am quite hard on myself. I use very strong language in myself that everything's rubbish. It's not very. So you've got a voice in your head, <laughs> and it's not very nice. Well, we all, but we, yeah. but we we all do. We we all have this little voice that's saying stuff to us. It's just very often we're not aware of that little voice, yes. and sometimes the little voice is critical, and sometimes it can be quite nice. Yes. Um, so you became aware of the voice in your head. Yes. And what it was saying, and that basically it was saying a lot of old, crappy, horrible stuff. Yes, and. It isn't good for me to listen to it. Um, that it will, the only person it will hurt is me. Um, it's not going to make any difference to anyone else if I don't get up and make a vase, but I will still have that want to make. I will still have that need to to get something out there, to do something with my hands, and it's it's almost like a healing process because when I do get out of bed and then I do start making. There's always that little wobble, is that one right? Or have I? is that the nicest pattern I could carve on there? But it's being involved in the making and the time disappears and you. it just helps to make... For me, it helps to make or do something with my hands. There, there are two things that spring to mind straight away. And one of them is, 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 a, is a term that's being banded around really a lot at the moment, which is about mindfulness. Um, and overcoming stress it's mainly in relation to stress and depression by using mindfulness which is sort of I'm not a psychiatrist neither am I a specialist in this area so I can't please forgive me if I don't describe it very well but it's basically about becoming aware of your body becoming aware of what's around you and focusing really hard on that as opposed to yourself and perhaps other stuff that's going on so it's a way of truly switching off. And in a way, that creation process, what you can feel when you're making it, physically feel, um, is, I think, mindfulness. Yes. It's, it's taking your mind away from the little voice in your head that may be saying the horrible things, and it's diverting you and really focusing you down on something that's a lot more constructive. In fact, it's very constructive because it's actually creating something. Absolutely. And... I'm now making something that I like as well, which is a really big thing. And that is part of your business. Yes, and something that actually sells. Is this a clever woman? (laughs) (laughs) I think I think this is a clever woman. Okay, so what what she what what I wonder what's come first. Is the um is the has the depression come first or is what you're doing now actually a therapy? for overcoming the depression have you created your own solution possibly <laughs> i i try not to overanalyze it because mm. i know when i start to overthink 
that's when things start to go wrong and I start to wind myself up into this tiny little spiral and so when you think that's how do you recognize that's happening um I didn't used to recognize when it was happening I now become aware when I start it, it's it's a physical manifestation as okay. well. Your, so you, your heart rate goes so you up. Get, you start you've tuned into the, into the stomach. You've yeah. tuned into the physical feelings that are going on with your body. Yeah, so you, you have to. You recognise that. And then what do you do to actually overcome, to stop that? I try now to think how lucky I am that that I'm trying to get to another place, that what I'm doing now will get me to that other place, that I may be really tired and I may be really fretful and I might be wondering how I'm going to fit all the hours in, but I know I will. Worrying about it isn't going to make it happen any faster. In fact, that's going to make me more tired and make me work slower. So it's just trying to be aware of the pickle I'm working myself up into and then... I do have a meditation app on my phone, which I help find helps me just take five minutes out, deep breathe, calm down, calm down, get my heart rate back down and then write a list. Even if I don't stick to the list, just you get, get it, it out all on paper. And you... then once it's all on paper, it doesn't look so overwhelming okay. it's because it's all buzzing around and it's all it's almost like one of those really jumbled mind map picture things. And, and when you haven't got it visually in front of you and it's whirling around in there, it starts to just become a jumble of letters. Whereas when I put it down on paper, it becomes manageable. Okay, let's see if we can sort of clarify these into some nuggets that people can take away. So the first one is when you get up in the morning, if you feel like it's not happening, you don't write off the entire day. You go, okay, let's give it an hour. Yes, be kind to yourself. Don't be the voice that says, oh, look, you're about to ruin another day. Just take a little extra time in bed or just have a cup of good coffee or just sit for an hour if you really feel like you can't achieve anything in that hour and then go, right, I can now change the next hour. Okay. So you're, you're actually sort of breaking the day down into quite small chunks yeah. as opposed to having this sort of enormous, what can seem like an enormous amount of time sweeping in front of you. So it's deal with it one small portion of the day at a time. And just because it ain't working now doesn't mean it isn't going to be working in an hour. So that's the, that's the first one. Yeah. The second is recognize in your body when stuff is starting to, what should we call it, well up? Yes. When stuff is starting to well up and do something, whatever works for you, do something to push it back down again, if you like. Um, I, don't show, I don't know that I like that. Push it back down again. That sounds, that sounds like you're burying it. Help but it's it get, dissipate. I love it. Yes. Help it dissipate. And what you do is you write a list, you draw a mind map, you get it out of your head, out on a piece of paper, and it's gone. Yeah. And, it, and it, you can see what's achievable. Okay. And, yeah, I just find writing stuff down. As I say, even if you don't take any notice of the list afterwards, it's just almost like a... It's like when you turn the computer off and you clear your RAM. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The next thing is that you... I don't know if I'm going to put this right, but you almost sort of force yourself to get on with it and create something. Get your hands in there and start creating something. Absolutely. And then I think possibly what's happening is the old mindfulness is is clicking in. You're diverted away from the horrible thinking. Your hands are on something. You're doing something, creating something. You're making something you love and that you know is going to get you somewhere. So you sort of give yourself a bit of a boot. Yes, absolutely. Just start it. Yeah. Just get it going and see what happens. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. So get, get it going 
see what happens and be kind to yourself because you don't have to then be creating stuff for the entire day. You no. could just say, I'll do it for an hour. Yes, but then you discover that you've been working for three hours without and realising. And you haven't realised it. Yeah. So the other thing is you've, been, you've become aware of the voice in your head. Yes, that's the crucial one. And you're getting rid of it. Yeah. Um, and you're not listening to it. No, because the only person you're hurting is you. Okay, I think that those are. I think those are quite a few tips there. I think we're going to leave it there for the time being. Apart from asking you, what is your? Is there anything we've missed off? And what out of those is your top tip for sort of booting the depression to one side and getting on with your business? I would say being kind to yourself is the biggest one. Is changing your language of how you speak about yourself. Because if you say you failed, we, when we're low, we tend to use quite strong language about ourselves. We're failures, we, we're not achieving, we can't. It's almost that we won't because we're scared that we can't. So I've, the biggest thing I've taken away from my counsellor is to change the language and be kind to myself. Because I'm not failing. I've, I'm holding down my part-time job and I'm, I'm making stuff that people like. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> we're going to go over now. We're going to have a quick... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Record. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk to Clara about an initiative that she's now running up in London. Some uh, events and her experiences around that as a business. Women in Business with Sean Murphy on Channel 8. <laughs> In your 
Business with Sean Murphy on Channel Radio. Hello and welcome back into the studio. We're here with Clara Kastner, who is a ceramicist and artist. And in the third part of the show, we're going to be talking to her about um, a business. I don't know which we call it a business, an initiative that you have set up that's sort of ancillary to the core part of your, the, the, the really the core of your business. So tell us a little bit about that. So when I graduated, my best friend and I, Savak Zargarian, um, we set up this initiative because we wanted to exhibit a tent. And um, you better, Can you just explain what tent uh, is? So there's a big festival in London, London Design Festival. Um, it's all over London. There's Design Junction, there's tent, there's super brands, there's the London, um, and it's all over London. And it's about a week, week and a half. So the event we wanted to take part in is at the Old Truman Brewery. Um, and we wanted to do it as graduates from our university. And we realised just how much these things cost to take part in. Um, I'm sure most people know trade shows, exhibitions. Um, the stands are um, uh, quite expensive, for want of a better way of putting it. And if you're at the start of your career, or if you're a ceramicist, we have to, especially if you throw, you have to sell an awful lot of pots to cover a stand that that costs two, two and a half thousand pounds plus VAT. So what we've done is we've set up 573 Degrees. Savak and I always show, but we invite other ceramicists to take part with us. Um, we used to just do our old our alumni, but we're expanding this year and having some different artists with us. And it just means that it's a stand split between five of you, for example. So it makes it much more approachable. And the thing about Tent is it's part wholesale, part retail. So it opens up a whole new market to um, smaller businesses. It's basically having five small businesses exhibiting under our logo. But we 
we promote them individually. We're not just saying they're 573 artists. We're saying that 573 Degrees has brought these artists together, but this is, for example, Planet Ceramics, this is Clara Kastner, this is Savak Zargaran, and it just makes it more accessible. So we work with lots of different people. Because I think there are two issues when you start exhibiting, aren't there? The first is that you, what you're saying is right. You do have to sell an awful lot of pots. Yeah. Um, or you have to sell a few pots at a, at a very high price. Yes, that's to the other one. <laughs> to, cover, to, to cover those sorts of exhibitor fees. Yes. And really, I think at that stage, it's not necessarily about moving stuff about selling individual pots. It's about business recognition and having that, if you like, that business, that sales, we call it funnel, behind you already. Well, of course, if you've just come out of uni and this is the start of your business, you don't necessarily have that sales machine behind you ready to capture people and um, and move forward on the opportunities that come to you when you're exhibiting. So you, you've got that... You've got that experience to to build up, haven't you? So Absolutely. what you're doing is giving people the opportunity to come along and take part, learn and collaborate. Because you, you have got to learn, haven't you? Absolutely. And it's it's about learning to deal with trade and retail mm. because they are two completely different markets. And it's also it's learning how to pitch your product. It's learning how to close the sale because it's very different selling to retail and someone falling in love with one vase than convincing people that you can't do sale and return or return because you are a small business. And that's a huge amount of stock that you're asking to be sitting there that I've got no return for. So it's very different conversations. Absolutely. And, and, and exhibiting at a large uh, at a large event like, like this yes. can give you that experience, but the cost of going there when you are a small business and you are just starting up is basically prohibitive. So what you've done is you've created this. It's a collaborative, really, isn't basically, it? Basically, yes. So um, is it helping your business as well? Yes, Um the great thing is it it's looks so good on the CV. I know it sounds naff, but when you have a list of where you are at the moment, Let, you're in really big... I'm, I'm going to stop you there because for CV, I think some people, um, if you're listening and, and you're in the job world and you're thinking about getting out of the job world and starting a business, um, CVs is very much something that we talk about in the employment arena. Whereas I think what you're talking about is your artistic CV, yes. which is basically something that you send off to, it could be shops, wholesalers, galleries, and that sort of thing, to persuade, or almost to persuade them to take you on board, and what you use is other places where you've been. Absolutely. Okay, so as an artist, creating your artistic CV to impress potential people who are going to exhibit, agents, whatever, gallery owners shops john lewis for instance if you you want to go and sell your stuff at john lewis you're going to have to come up with some sort of street cred aren't you <laughs> um you present them with a cv yes and so you need to have some stuff to put on it yes absolutely and so your initiative your collaborative is providing a platform for people to build their seat for artists to build their cv yes and also get seen okay. because um what the tent sometimes does is give you an Instagram takeover. So they'll give it to various exhibitors and you can take over so then we can promote mm -hmm. our work. Also promote other people that we've seen at the show that we like. So, so, uh, but also by running this collaborative, 
it has boosted your CV. That's what you're saying. Absolutely. Because yeah, yeah. on my web page, for example, I do have a dire website, but I've got a page of where I've been and where you can find me. And I have to say, it does look good that it was. I was at yeah. London Design Festival. Okay. So this had to be put together. Yes. Okay. First of all, you ca- how did you come up with the idea? Was it just your own personal experience? It was Sev and I, Savak and I were like looking at, we were trying to get other people from our class when we graduated to mm. do it. And we did it the first year with them. And we thought we need to stick at this. We really want to do it again. But we can't use the university title because they they weren't, in not like criticising, but they weren't supporting us. And you can't bandy about saying, oh, we're this particular university just because you're a graduate. So we came up with the title name. We decided it was something that we wanted to do longer term um, and that we will expand into other events. So we've done 10. We did an event in June at Hampstead called Grow London. Um, we've done 10 mainly, but we are expanding into bit, uh, more and more locations through the year is the plan. Um, so, yeah, it was, it's, it's just... It was just to make it accessible and to find other people who wanted to do it but didn't necessarily, weren't necessarily in the the position that had the funds to pay out that. Okay, so you'd sort of, you'd come up with this idea from your own experience. Yes. Um, You had a problem and basically this, we'll call it a business idea, came from solving your problem. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. I mean, that's what <laughs> businesses are really about, is about yeah. solving problems, isn't it? So it was your problem you set out to solve. So how did you, you, you connected initially with people from your own university, people yes. that you already knew, yeah. um, but needed to take it beyond that? Yes, and basically, Savak is very good at networking. Okay. So, so where were you, when you say networking... Um, I think everybody has a different idea of what networking is. Oh, we so, go to lots so of So what was your stuff. networking? <laughs> yeah, we go to all sorts of ceramics events. Um, and as I said, the ceramics world is very inclusive. Um, you go to a, a talk and you'll see loads of people you know, um, a, a ceramics talk, for example. So we would chat to people at shows. Um, we did do Top Draw, which is totally wholesale and we were talking to other people at top draw saying we really like your work would you be interested and Savak's very very good at that so he would talk to them and say would you be interested in taking part with us um and they'd come and see what we'd done and and yeah people so basically you were going to very industry specific yes networking events yeah. with a view to this is going to sound hard but pulling people out connecting with people pulling them out into your initiative yeah because the wonderful thing is we all start with the same thing we all start with clay and it's amazing the cross-section of stuff that appears from this medium and yeah we're all united by ceramics but the cross-section of work for example that we will have on our stand for 10 is amazing and and that's why it's so inclusive so we do stick with ceramics i suppose we could have jewelry or textiles but we go for the whole clay thing so you you stuck with your niche but anybody out there listening who is in um who is in the creative industry really this is within your gift isn't it to you know you you can say right well okay i am a potter i work in this particular way i am um i work with oils um to go out and connect with other artists 
and set up a similar sort of thing. Yeah, and you don't have to be the have same Have you thought medium. of franchising this? <laughs> <laughs> perhaps, no, I mean, perhaps it's something that you could take out and start connecting with and encourage other people to do this. I and think give, lots of people do give, already. Do it's they? just that we'd, we'd done it clay-specific um, because our title, 573 Degrees, is very... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Specific to ceramics, it's the point of where the clay turns to ceramic and it can't be brought back. So it's very specific. So it would be a bit weird if we started putting jewellery or textiles no, yes, on yeah. there. But I do think people, I think people do it anyway. Um, you sometimes see people sharing stands. It's just that they haven't necessarily thought about taking it to the next step. I Yes, I get what you mean. So it sort of happened and it's a bit yeah, ad hoc. A bit um, more organic than yes, us saying. Whereas you've actually sat down and thought about, you know, okay, how can this work and who are we going to involve? Absolutely. Okay, so a lot of networking, physical networking yes. out there, um, feet to the pavement, if you like, talking face to face. That's Sevak's job. <laughs> Have you have you used any social media tools? Have you used any online tools at all? Only for research. Oh, okay. So we do look through Instagram. We do check Twitter. Facebook, I find a bit of a struggle because it's not so supportive of business at the moment. There's that kind of transition at the moment mm. I'm, I'm personally finding. So we spend a lot of time. And also if we see a show and we can't get there, we might have a look about who was exhibiting. Um, so it works quite well. Ceramics is so visual that most people do have a website as well. So, oh, okay. So, if if um, I'm not going to say his name because I'm going to get it wrong, <laughs> um, wasn't there? Has, has he been a, a key because he's he's? You say he's out there doing the networking. If he wasn't there, would you still be doing this, or, or is this partnership? It's partnership, right? Okay, it's so definitely. I I was doing the social media. We've both slacked a little bit with that i must confess but savak is the people person so it's about it's about sort of uh, coming up with what you want to do saying okay look this is what i want to achieve yes and acknowledging that you know out there networking doing that is not your particular thing Absolutely. that you don't particularly enjoy it um so i'll tell you what let's ne- let's get together with somebody who is really really good at that and i do my bit yeah yeah but we work really well together um we have done since university it's it's just mm. a really easy relationship so i can do the bits that he doesn't want to do and i i i've got the car basically so i help build stands <laughs> and stuff with his dad and yeah we just work really well together he's just he's better at the people side i would say so on the organization it doesn't really matter you know be organization marketing management what do you think are the key things that you've learnt from putting together this it's an events business yes. isn't it what what if what would you advise people who are listening in and thinking do you know i'd like to be organizing events i'd like to be putting together this sort of collaborative thing what would you advise them you do need to be organized you do need to keep an eye on your dates because if you book things early enough you get discounts um and also 
if you want to take part as well, um, promote your images when people ask for you for stuff. If you're an artist and, and someone does approach you to do it, um, have a look at them and see how they'll promote you individually because we, uh, we allows a strong word, we push people to promote themselves individually saying we're under the 573 heading. It's not, there are other organisations where you become a member and it's all about that organisation with an and artist. You, and you're, you're absorbed totally Absolutely. By, by the others. We're not, we're not about that at all. It's more about just being the vehicle that allows them that gives them the opportunity to be there. I know I'm hopping about all over the place here, um, but hey-ho, such is life. <laughs> um, you just spoke about promoting your images and yes. being ready to promote your images. How do you do that? How do you get... Because your stuff's out in the real world, isn't it? Yeah. It's out there on a table. Yes. And you you get it up onto Instagram, Facebook. What do you? How do you do that? Well, most of us just use our camera phones. You, so you use, your, you use your, your, your phone. I have been trying um to take my own photographs i am getting better i've had some help from a friend's husband um and he very kindly gave me some tips about how to set my lighting up but it's 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 the trouble is it's being the master of everything times have changed so much that you can promote your own work through social media whereas before how did you get your work out there Mm. but not only do you have to be a great potter or a great ceramicist you then have to be a great social media expert and then you need to be a great photographer as well (laughs) i I think i think what i'm getting what i'm what i'm getting at here is that you don't actually have to be or employ uh, an expensive photographer no. as an artist you don't need to bring in expensive people to be able to promote your work no that you can actually do this quite simply with uh, i'm going to assume that most people have an iphone i don't know if i'm allowed to say that but i'm 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 sort A of smart i'm i'm old enough now where the only thing i can use is an iphone <laughs> <laughs> i'm no longer allowed near androids <laughs> They're too complicated. <laughs> just have an iPhone, you just press a button and it sort of works. Um, where you have um, a smartphone, a smartphone and perhaps a little bit of knowledge about lighting um, and you can get your stuff out there on social media. In fact, I think that's crucial that you that you have that flexibility to be dynamic with your stuff and send it off and not have to wait for three weeks until you've got, got a photographer in to actually do something with it. So yeah. basically, you use an iPhone. Have you got any tips about lighting? Um, the best tip I was given was that if you are using little studio lights to not put them so that they face each other, so that they're lighting. For example, with a vase, you don't want them in a straight line. You want them staggered so that it gives you shadow, so that you can see it's not a flat image rather than it gives it oh, depth. okay. But the best lighting I've found is just a white sheet of paper outside, on a not on a sunny day, on one of those bright grey days, just a curved, infinity curved piece of paper, vase on there, flower in there, Lighting's perfect. Don't even have to fiddle with it very much. So, what would you with, with the paper? What do you like? Line a box or something? Yeah. Or um, my favourite trick is like getting various bits of, of the patio together and leaning paper on <laughs> garden rakes <laughs> and hose and, and lots of gaffer tape. I'm sure there must be another way of organising. <laughs> there this. probably is, but I'm always doing them at the last minute, going, "Oh, I need to get this done now." So, yeah, but just having it against the fence even so that if it's a white day 
you get such a clear and it's you get a really true color as well and there are so many great phone apps to edit now that you don't need to have photoshop at home it's great to have as a mm. tool but you can do so much on your phone now. So basically, when you're going out to exhibit anywhere, um, but if you're if you're looking at exhibiting with a collaborative, are they going to promote you on on your own? Yeah. Or do you have to go totally under their banner? Yeah. And be ready, be ready with photographs with your with images of your work to be able to supply to them yeah. or get out and support their their social media their promotion initiatives because you have to help them don't you absolutely you, you have to give them something to work with it's a reciprocal arrangement especially with social mm. media if i haven't got if i haven't got an image to tweet i can't tweet about it because we all know mm. people don't really like a tweet now that doesn't have an image attached to it mm. so and that with your images doesn't need to be particularly expensive particularly difficult it's the sort of thing that you the average you know if you've got a reasonably good smartphone that is going to be okay to take the average photo absolutely because so much is on your phone or your tablet now Okay, Clara, I'm, I'm going to ask you to give out your details. Possibly what we're going to do, and I want to say something, we may well pop over in a, in a couple of minutes and have a quick word with our expert who's going to talk to us today about, I think, some local SEO. Um, but Clara, can you give out some of your details so that people can connect with you? So I am Clara Kastner on everything, basically. So apart from Facebook, I'm Clara Kastner Divine on Design on Facebook, I'm Clara Kastner on Instagram. I'm Clara Kastner on Twitter. I'm Clara Kastner on Pinterest. Okay, there's a lesson here, all right? There is a lesson here about getting out there, and it's don't do what I've done, which is I'm all over the show as different things, but I'm sort of stuck with it now. Um, and that is deciding who you are, and you've decided that you are you, and that you've gone out there and you're the same everywhere. It took me a long time. I didn't used to use my name. I, I used to hide... Um, but I made the conscious decision in March this year not to hide anymore and to actually use my name. And it has made life a lot easier. Brilliant. Clara Kastner, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much for telling us your story and helping people out there who may be dealing with similar issues to the ones that you have, I'm going to say, overcome. Thank you so much. We're going to head over now. Hopefully we've got a few minutes to hear about um, this local SEO, which is, I think, critical regardless of what business you've got but especially if you're a business where a door handle needs to turn so our expert this week mark jennings from storm chasers digital fire away hello sean um yeah you've mentioned this tool before it's moz.com which is moz.com um and you, they have a fleet a fleet of free tools on that site so go to the free tools and what you're looking for is the one for local marketing just fill in your business details and press the check listing and it will tell you how they see your site locally. So which directories you are in um, and where you can then go to get your listing improved. Perfect. Thank you very much. And, and as it's free, I think it would be a bit of a no-brainer not to do it really, wouldn't it? So Oh, exactly. So just, just head over there. And they've got some really good ideas, as, as Marcus just said, about other directories that you can put yourself into. So I think that's it, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in. We will see you next week. And that's it now from me. I'm Sean Murphy, my guest Clara Kastner at the Women in Business radio show. Goodbye. Women in Business with Sean Murphy on Channel Radio.